Do you know this song, Adam? I don't. I'm waiting for it. Well, welcome back from vacation. Well, thank you. This is called Danger from the band It Comes in Waves. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't know that. It is free. That's public domain. I just had to mention <laughs> that this was Danger from It Comes in Waves. Which is well, I enjoy it. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Small Business Update. Thursday, it's 3 o'clock somewhere. That somewhere is in Arizona. I'm not there. Adam is. Welcome to the show. We have a lot to talk about today. The big, big hits are we talk about COVID at the workplace, including erratics. Talk about Mountainside Fitness. Talk about the Supreme Court. We have John's Medical Corner. I'm here as always. have a rant today? What's that? You have a rant today? No, nah, I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, okay. Upsetting me. All right. I've got a lot of things that are upsetting me. For example, why here is Coca-Cola diet, you know, Coke Zero in the same bottle that Coca-Cola is? You get confused easily. Well, that's a cause you should take up. I'm not going to have a rant today, but we are going to have our, our very successful uh, John's Medical Corner, which spikes every time we, we talk about it. We're going to talk about drugs in this case therapeutic drugs for covid not what you were thinking um for those of you who are with us live we definitely appreciate it and we know more and more of you have actual jobs that you need to be at and businesses you need to run so you can always um drop us an email or a line with questions but for those of you who are here thanks and feel free to drop in with questions as always we start with the most important topic of the day sports ready for this for the sports roundup COVID Let's hear it. Up. All right. The NHL has a plan. Have you heard about this? No. Okay. Edmonton's hosting the Western Conference. Toronto's hosting the Eastern Conference. Starting out August 1st, the Coyotes play the Nashville Predators in a best of five series on our quest to win the COVID Cup, the Stanley Cup. Um, kind of a little bit of an interesting uh, statistic going into this. Edmonton, 980,000 people. Toronto, 5 million. But Edmonton with 8,480 cases of COVID and Toronto only 14,700. So a little bit closer when we get down to the numbers about where is better or worse to be. From a pure number perspective, Toronto's more dangerous. We're in Edmonton. Go Coyotes. Next little piece <laughs> of sports news. Nashville SC joins FC Dallas and withdrawing from the MLS tournament in Orlando after nine positive tests. They've now redone the brackets for the restart of Major League Soccer. Ivy League is suspending all fall sports. Did you hear about that? I did. They're just doing away with it, not even trying to modify nothing. Just no, gone. they're not going to do it. But the Big Ten has really stepped up to the plate in the last hour or two. The Big Ten has announced that they are canceling all out-of-conference games. So no Michigan, Washington, no Ohio State, Oregon. But we're going to play the rest of the games because we all know people in the Big Ten, clean as a whistle. <laughs> NFL has what? <laughs> you might be covering it. I'll be quiet. I have something about the NFL. Oh, good. Tell me about the NFL because I might be about to cover it. <laughs> I, no, go ahead. Well, so the thing I saw was 
no jersey swaps. That's right. No jersey swapping. No post-game jersey swaps. 49ers quarterback Richard Sherman tweets out, this is a perfect example of NFL thinking in a nutshell. Players go engage in a full contact game, do that safely. However, it's deemed unsafe for them to exchange jerseys after said game. So (laughs) NFL, NFL really impressing its players. Social distancing six feet apart after the game. Yeah, well. And, and don't exchange jerseys, and we sh- should be fine. Yeah, it'd be fine. It'd be yeah. no problem. Um, also, they're not supposed to give autographs to the fans, which kind of begs the question, are we really going to do fans? <laughs> right. I feel like most of today's episode is just a giant can of what are we doing. Like, I think something is right that we're doing, but it can't be everything. And I've said this repeatedly from the beginning. Like, we're, we're doing something extremely bad. Um, with that being said, let's talk about Arizona, shall we? Um, little statistic or projection, I should say. The University of Washington Health Research, which is kind of the leading group to tell us how many people are going to end up with COVID and dead from it, projects 208,255 deaths by November 1st, 2020. Of course, it goes without saying that us here in Arizona are rocking it. Um, We have the most new coronavirus cases per million residents over the last seven days, beating Florida, South Carolina, New York at its peak, Bahrain, Qatar, everywhere, because we're the best. By the way, we have led the country in Arizona for a full month in the highest seven-day average. We started leading the country with 13.84 cases per 100,000 on June 7th. We're now at 48.1 per 100,000. Florida, of course, is in second, knocking on the door at 43.08. In other news, Disney World reopens in two days, and Epcot and Hollywood Studios open next week. With that, I'm turning it over to Adam Bach. Adam, talk to us a little bit about, let me frame this, okay? Governor said we're closing down gyms. Mountainside Fitness said, no, we're not. We're going to sue you. Mountainside Fitness filed a lawsuit, and uh, we uh, have a little bit more information about whether or not gyms can be required to be closed. Yes. So there's this tension between being healthy and then allowing people to make money. So June 29th, um, under a declared state of emergency, the governor gets a complete authority to um, exercise all police powers. And pursuant to that, he says that he's going to close a handful of businesses, and one of those is indoor gyms and fitness clubs or centers. Now, Mountainside Fitness, they've taken a lot of heat, so they're not happy about this. So they want to know, well, when can they reopen? And the governor says, well, you're going to have a, we're going to provide a system. You're going to fill out a form from the Department of Health Services. And as long as you are in compliance and there's going to be this process that you can go through to open back up. Well, the problem is sort of like with the PPP stuff, it's like there's an idea, but it has no meat on it. Nobody knows. There's no form. There's no process. Nobody knows what it looks like or how it's going to happen. And that's sort of a problem. So Mountainside files a lawsuit for a temporary restraining order. Um, So here's some facts. So from March 20th until May 20th, the fitness centers 
were closed while other businesses were allowed to implement social distancing and other um, things to continue to operate. Um, and then on May 20th, the governor says, okay, you can now open if you adhere to physical distancing and sanitary protocols. So Mountainside gets to work. They got 18 locations. They're purchasing equipment. They're limiting how many people can be in the gym at one time, installing sanitation stations, requiring employees to wear masks. I mean, they're going all out because they want to be able to continue to operate. So after that, the government shuts them down again. And their complaint was, well, wait, we don't qualify for a PPP loan because we have too many employees and you're making us shut down where other people are open. So their claim was due process. Like, look, you're taking away our, our property, essentially our business without an opportunity to be heard. And the court said, well, in, during an emergency, your due process rights are limited. Um, and the government can pretty much do anything that's not arbitrary and capricious. So here's a, a case. It says, while the law may take periodic naps during a pandemic, uh, will not let it sleep through one. So your constitutional rights aren't gone. They might be napping, but uh, they're not gone. So the governor says, well, they're saying, are you depriving Mountainside of its property? The judge said, well, running a business may not be a constitutionally protected property interest if it's just temporary, which is interesting. Um, and then he said, but also there's no uh, violation of due process because you have this procedure through the uh, Department of Health Services. But the judge says, I am a little concerned though that it's not very clear on how people are gonna do this. So the, the takeaway is, the standard is, if the government has any conceivable basis to further a legitimate governmental interest, then it's fine. Or if there are any set of facts that rationally justifies what the governor is doing, then it's fine. So to translate that from legalese to layperson, um, the governor can pretty much do whatever he wants in a state of emergency, and you, you kind of have to take it. So a uh, temporary restraining order was denied. So there's a couple of takeaways. Um, a declaration of emergency does have significant constitutional implications on businesses and individuals. So there is some significance when the governor declares a state of emergency. And the last takeaway is if you're a non-essential business during a declared emergency, you're pretty much screwed. That is my legal opinion. <laughs> so, you know, one thing the judge did leave open was he said, you know, I might not be able to enjoin this or do anything about it right now, but you guys might have a big claim for damages against the state. So maybe we get the extra bonus at the end of all of this, which is that we find out that we get to pay back all these businesses that were closed down as a result. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. And, and I understand. I mean, I, I'm not going to any gyms. I have no desire to go to a gym. I think it's, it is risky, but I, as I read this, I did feel a bit for the uh, business owner. If you happen to be in that business, it's just like they're getting whiplash. You start, you stop, you can do it, you can't. And it's, it's difficult to operate that way. Um, in New Jersey, a day before they were supposed to reopen restaurants, they rescinded the order, you know, flipping out every restaurant who just 
ordered food to reopen. So yeah, this is not just an Arizona problem. Um, so we have, you know, we always have uh, guests on now to kind of talk about what's going on in the world or in their business. And I thought this would be a special time to interview you, Adam, about Idaho. So to give a little <laughs> backstory, Adam took his annual vacation, went to Idaho. Talk to us a little bit about that experience. How are things up there versus Arizona? And how do you feel traveling? I assume you flew, all those things. Yeah, I flew. You know, it's interesting because right before I left, you know, all this news comes out that nobody wants people from Arizona. Um, we're, we're like on the, you know, toxic, do not touch, nobody wants you there sort of thing. And it's almost like you're kind of embarrassed when you have your ID from Arizona and people are, you know, going to wonder what you're doing traveling when your state is in a total, you know, chaos. Yeah. But we ended up flying to Idaho. We went up to Island Park, and I think it's got a population of 285. Okay. Uh, we were fly fishing there. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. It was like taking a vacation. It's a different world, you know, because in small towns, they're already socially distant. They're physically distanced, <laughs> and they're socially distant. And, you know, it just, it was like they were asking questions like I was from a different planet. It's like, oh. Oh, you're from Arizona? Wow, we've heard that it's really bad there. How, how is it? You know, I'm trying to, you know, play it down and just say it's not that big a deal. But, you know, we're wearing masks. They're not wearing masks. Um, it was just different. It was just weird to, to, to see how much it impacts people in certain areas. And in other places, it's just a news story that they hear about. And it doesn't really affect their lives uh, much at all. A lot of mask wearing. They did not in, in restaurants. They were wearing masks, and so, um, but nobody else in the the restaurant was wearing a mask. Space. So a lot of spacing, or is it just kind of like just normal? Yeah, it's a little bit. It is a little bit related, I think, to um, smaller towns, of course. You know, we've had a lot of outbreaks in smaller towns, especially where there's processing plants or other places where people are close to each other. But, you know. So my, my greatest fear is that in a week, there's going to be some spike in Island Park and like, you know, everybody's going to, and they're going to trace it back to me or something. You know? Yeah. Well, it's always a possibility. It turns out that some number at a bare minimum 35%, but maybe, maybe closer to 70 to 80 percent have no symptoms at all so i hope you didn't do it to them but of I course you know there there are certainly going to be people that go up there that that have it right, right. the yeah. nature of it um so all right so not nervous on the plane or anything no i mean having a mask on for because you know, I just wear a mask going in and out of stores and I don't spend a lot of time in stores when I'm there. So it's a pretty short thing to put on the mask, go take care of your, whatever you're doing, take it off. But here, you know, the moment you walk into the airport, it's on until the moment you get into the rental car or whatever you're doing at the, the other end, you know, it's just part of you. And so it was the first time I really felt like I was wearing a mask, like as part of everyday life which was a little uncomfortable at first but uh oddly enough 
on the airplane, I kind of felt protected. You know, I always get on airplanes anyway, even before COVID and you just feel that air circulating and you're like, oh, there's gotta be a lot of germs in here. So it was kind of interesting to, to put it on and feel somewhat protected. So there is a, a, an upside to that. Yeah. Now, of course, we rarely get sick on an airplane, despite the fact there's all these people there because they do, of course, have a system to, you know, filter germs that we don't really have a normal air conditioning system. So even though we feel that way, it's probably a little bit safer, I hope. Um, so I, I thought that I would, I would interview myself too. Maybe you want to ask me questions. So this is Mexico. So this is what I did, okay? So I've been here for about six weeks. Um, all you people up in Arizona on Memorial Day freaked me out. I went to uh, City Hall and I went to my pool at my, in my apartment complex. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work. So anyway, so I went out over here to a place called Tulum, which is near, near here. So it's heading into the uh, Caribbean. I, of course, managed to have a tropical storm when I was there. And then I also lived in Plaza del Carmen. What was really interesting is I was there as they were beginning to open restaurants. The beaches, public beaches at least, still aren't open. Um, but what was really interesting is as they opened restaurants was the um, mats to wipe your feet with alcohol, which by the way is very big in Latin America. It's not just Mexico, um, where I live normally in the summer in Colombia is the same rule, but people are basically disinfecting the soles of their shoes. This comes from an early study in, in uh, China that I don't know if there's much to it, but that a lot of the doctors in these hospitals were showing a lot of germs on, on their shoes. Um, so anyway, after that, I went to Guadalajara. Guadalajara is interesting. Obviously, it's a bigger city. Um, I wasn't quite hanging out that much um, throughout the town. What was interesting is I stayed in a hotel for a couple nights. And the reason is because I could fly directly here. Um, and in the hotel, they took your temperature every time you took in, which begged the question, what happens if you have a temperature, but you're staying at that hotel? And I, I asked what, you know, what would happen, and they didn't quite have the right answer. <laughs> you know, I got, I just, I, yeah, I got, they, they call a doctor. That was where we ended up. It's more of what we talked about before, where businesses are just doing this kind of a CYA. It's like, yeah. uh, I should take temperatures. I, I mean, if I don't, I'm probably negligent. Right. We're going to talk about ocean in a minute and, uh, you know, what's going on at our fine firm. But, you know, I went from Guadalajara and I'm, I'm just north of Puerto Vallarta right now in a place called uh, Punta Mita. Um, which, uh, you know, overlooks the, the ocean. And I'll tell you what's interesting about all that is the fact that people do wear masks. Um, they have had substantial cases that everybody knows in Mexico. Um, but what's really interesting, the water over here by Cancun is really light blue and it's ferocious by Puerto Vallarta. And that is just something that I've never realized because I never went from ocean to ocean before. But um, in any case, that's your little tour of, of Mexico and uh, what things are like here. Um, but we do need to, uh, you know, briefly touch on the fact that, uh, you know, Latin America, former, former health minister from Colombia said the problem with Latin America is it's half Europe. So in the big cities, it's like Europe and it's half Africa because in the rural areas, there really is no anything. Um, near where I am now, there's a little trailer and it basically says respiratory ailments. It's next to the hospital. Go there. 
Go to the trailer. Talking about uh, schools reopening. Um, that's become this week's hot button political issue like masks. Mm-hmm. Um, Paradise Valley schools where my kids go. We uh, already have the decision that we are not going to be having real life school, at least for the first month, but we are going to start online. Then after Labor Day, we will go from there. The fear, obviously, for some is the children. The fear for most certainly is the teachers and staff. And more importantly, all the people the kids are going to give the the disease to. Do you have an opinion on this school stuff? No, I, I just don't know if there's a good answer. I mean, not having school. I mean, my kids are are older, so it doesn't affect me as much, but people got to be going crazy having kids home all the time. And, uh, you know, they probably would like to try to get back to somewhat normal. So I understand the push. Yeah, sure. I want to talk a little bit about OSHA. And then if we have time, we'll talk about a few other topics. And the reason for that is because at Radix, like many other businesses, we have at least a case and maybe a few others. Um, and so we've had to deal with this, and I suspect that we are not alone, being that there's you know probably 40 or 50 million cases. So let's talk a little bit about what OSHA has to say. Um, you know, your backstory here is that OSHA is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. It's part of the Department of Labor, and what they are supposed to do is provide some safety regulations for businesses. Now, we're all used to this being really important in like factories, right? This isn't like, hey, I got a law firm. What does OSHA have to say about this? But OSHA has chimed in. First thing, and this is kind of newer guidance, has to do with the use of cloth masks. Um, they, OSHA uh, encourages uh, employers to have, to encourage their employees or otherwise have requirements to have cloth face coverings. But they do remind you, employer, that this is not personal protective equipment. By the way, we all know that that's PPE now. That's the most amazing thing. We have like all this jargon. So PPE um, is, is something that is um, required in healthcare fields and other fields. For most of us, that is not, but you're still supposed to encourage the use of masks. Now, employers do not need to provide cloth face coverings. That's different than PPE, right? So like a hospital actually needs to provide it if you're in a factory that requires, because of chemicals and other things, but this is different. So employers don't need to do it. Now, there is a whole section on the OSHA facts that talks about what are employers supposed to do. And really what they do is they turn toward the CDC recommendations. Let me give you a little bit of, uh, of, of, of backstory on this. So the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, has various strategies. One is a symptom-based strategy, okay? And the symptom-based strategy is for people who have COVID symptoms and who have been directed to care for themselves at home need to wait at least three days, 72 hours since recovery. That means no fever, not, by the way, not using aspirin to knock your fever down, literally no fever, and no respiratory symptoms. And at least 10 days have passed since the symptoms first appeared, okay? So that's CDC's uh, symptom-based strategy. They have a test-based strategy as well that basically um, requires that you have uh, a test done 
and that there's two consecutive tests more than 24 hours apart, and those are negative. Now, as I discussed last week, this is something, by the way, they, they're primarily using for medical professionals, but what I discussed last week is that the tests are not 100% effective, right? And so that is one of the reasons to have that. That is another reason why a lot of times you are seeing, um, why you're seeing a situation where somebody is just basically testing negative and then the next day positive. So that's why they want to have two. They talk about people who don't have symptoms but tested positive. One is a time-based strategy, at least 10 days from the first positive test, supposed to work from home, and or uh, test-based where you get two negatives within, um, within the two days. So Look, I mean, the most important thing to remember as an employer is that you need to have an open line of communication with your employees. You need to take action, but you can't identify who it was. That's a HIPAA violation. So you can't tell the rest of the staff who it was in smaller offices. Obviously, people know who it was, um, but it's important that you communicate um, that there might have been an exposure and let people be aware. Um, ultimately, that's OSHA's guidance. Um, which kind of knocks us directly into John's medical corner. By the way, John's medical corner, while being very popular, is very scary. So this is what we've talked about so far. Vaccine, very hard. Never have done it before for a coronavirus. And the tests don't work. So today, I thought I'd give a little breath of fresh air, which is the therapeutics. So these are drugs that we get to use in order to improve symptoms when it comes. So the first one that was approved in the US was remdesivir. Remdesivir is something that we had for Ebola. And remdesivir looks like it barely works in people who are about, you know, the most serious cases. So it's okay. It's okay now. Um, so that's something. And the other thing that we are kind of starting to see used more and more are plasma. So convalescent plasma is what it's called. It's basically people who recovered and in their blood plasma, they have antibodies and we're injecting those. And it seems that some percent, somewhere between 30, 40 and 75% of people show improvement um, if we have uh, plasma. So people who have recovered, we encourage you to do that. Um, uh, another little uh, medical update for you from John's Medical Corner is that it looks like we are getting close to having a single test that will test whether it's flu or COVID. So that's a big worry later in the year about what will happen. So um, it looks like my mother has breaking news. So my mother, who's, who's like the big, the best fan of the show, that so looks like Governor Ducey's reducing restaurants to 50% capacity. So that's what happens when you when you have your mom next to you, she kind of nudges you. And so restaurants will start to see lower capacity, presumably with that, and we'll probably see some more steps taken uh, this, this, uh, this month. Uh, quick other stuff, evictions, evictions uh, are not allowed for residential real estate till July 22nd in Arizona. So that clock is running on people. Now I do have a clarification on that personal experience with a client. You can go through all the way through the eviction process. You yes. can give them the notice, you can go to court, 
You can get a judgment to tell them to get it out. You can do everything except when you give the writ of restitution, the constable, the constable is going to say, I don't know that I can do this yet. Um, but they still are. Yesterday I talked to a constable and he said, if the person says, or they prove that they have some sort of COVID related issue, then they don't do anything. And they, he said, we've got to wait till the 22nd or the 23rd, whatever it is. And I said, well, do you think Governor Ducey's going to extend that? And he said, I don't think so. He doesn't think that the governor is going <laughs> to, I mean, all these landlords are already been on hold for quite a while. Yeah. So the thought is once the 23rd comes, you know, which presents an, a whole other issue. You got a bunch of people, you know, looking for new homes and out mingling and, you know, so there, there aren't any good answers, but we're going to see some, movement here in the next month or so um speaking of extensions ppp if you've been in a cave and haven't gotten your ppp loan there's still money available now that's extended extended um for another month from now it's extended till august 8th um and finally we do have a question and the question is that there is a gym that's changing its name and improving its space and it has holistic medicine and doctors and chiropractors and can they do that as a wellness center? Is that an exception to trump the governor's emergency order powers? The answer is, yeah, for right now. I mean, I suppose they could operate for the next few weeks when we have this order in place up until the time the governor puts a new one. Quick poll results. Do you support the idea of opening up schools for in-person teaching? 45% said maybe, but with limits, and 40% said no. Only 15% said yes. Do you think there will be college football this year? 45% said yes. 45% said no. And 10% said, thank God, no. I assume these are people who just don't like college football. Do you think there will be more than 208,255 U.S. deaths by November 1st, 2020 from COVID? Very close to 50-50. <laughs> looks like 50% said more. And, uh, and, and 30% said less and 25% said exactly 208,255. It's like the jelly beans. Does your company require masks at the workplace? Two thirds of businesses do. Have you had any case of COVID at the workplace? 70% have not. And so we are, we're breaking ground at Radix. Um, but we have had a lot of clients who have, so we might, we might um, be seeing that answer changing as we have more and more cases. Do you think President Trump's tax returns show he's rich or poor? What do you think, Adam? <laughs> I, think, I think it's going to be lower than what we expect. I mean, yeah. isn't I, everybody's I, tax return lower than what you expect? <laughs> you are a great lawyer. You overinflates your tax returns. I, 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 I think the answer is that he is, uh, yeah, he's not as rich as he says, or as we think he is. Are you planning on going on vacation this summer? Two thirds said no. And we had one person who said, I never do anyway. Um, and then the real big important question was, would you rather go to Idaho, go fishing, or go to Mexico and eat tacos? Idaho, like Adam, got 40%. Mexico with John was the winner. Oh. Thank you. Thank all right. you all. Thank you all for appreciating exactly where you need to go during a pandemic. Although they don't want you in Mexico, I heard. So it's, it, it, they don't it, want Arizonans. It, it, We're too risky. 
It's true. I'm off to Cleveland. Our next will be from there. In the meantime, thanks everybody for joining us. As a reminder, we're on youtube.com slash fruitkinlaw, or you could find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess it's called now, Spotify, or wherever else you go. So thanks for joining us. We'll see everybody next week on Small Business Update. As always, drop us a line with any questions. We're happy to help.